This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the co-host of Turn On The Jets TV's TOJ Film Room, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm, I'm emotional, Scott. How come? Um, I just finished my... Uh... The film on, on Garrett Bradbury last night, which makes my the 20 players I'm doing extensive breakdowns on uh, done. So I watched four games of him last night. I'm officially done with that. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's interesting week, uh, busy week. I just put up film of uh, Jonah Williams. I'm doing Ed Oliver, who I think is up next. Uh, the Devils got the first pick in the NHL draft, which is pretty cool. Niagara Falls in two weeks and uh, Game of Thrones starting on Sunday. So I'm pretty, pretty exciting uh, couple of weeks right now. And there's this thing called the NFL draft coming up too, right? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I think it's something where players from colleges get picked to play in the NFL. I've heard a little something about it. I'm not entirely sure how it works. Maybe I'll look it up later. I'll Google it and find it out. But one guy that I have heard some whispers about in this so-called draft thingy that the NFL does is a gentleman named Nick Bosa, who's a defensive end slash outside linebacker from Ohio State University. also has a famous brother that I looked up. I didn't know about this gentleman. His name is Joseph Bosa. And his father also played in this NFL league, from what I understand as well. Of course, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. I know all about Nick, Joey, and the whole Bosa family, and so do you, Joe. So let's talk about Nick Bosa. There is a perception that the Jets are not going to be in position to draft him because he will go either one or two, depending on what Arizona does with the Kyler Murray situation. Tell me a little bit about why so many people are so high on him and why he might go ahead of the Jets. Yeah, and part it's partially because I think a little bit of his brother's name as well, obviously with uh, Joey going so high and Joey, Joey doing what he's done in the NFL, but there obviously is some things about him that warrant that top selection as well. And he is my number two player um, in the draft, you know, overall for, for a reason. And a lot of it is because something we've talked about, you know, really all the time um, is just the fact that he has a ridiculously high floor at a uh, massive position or massive, uh, massively important position in the NFL and outside linebacker. So he's a guy who is extremely safe just because of how technically refined he, he already is and the power he has and the smarts that he has um, in reading, you know, offensive fronts and plays, you know, et cetera. So he's a guy I really have a hard time, you know, minus, you know, potentially injury concern or potential injury concerns, uh, easily getting 10, 11, 12, 13 sacks, you know, per year um, in the NFL, just like a just like a Joey, because they are very similar uh, where Joey plays, you know, more of that D end with the with the Chargers, but he also plays some outside linebacker as well. Uh, but they're very technically refined. They know how to win with their hands. They know how to set up their angles. They know how to make a, a, a hard edge, a softer edge by using power or even using uh, hesitation and, you know, head fakes and stabs. So high floor player who is is very very safe and i think that's why he's going to go you know number one or number two in the draft while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You say high floor... But we also know that the perception is that his ceiling is more or less the same as his floor. Is that what you found mm-hmm. in watching him? And if so, can you explain why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, I, I know you're asking me this question for the people, but we've talked about this a million times, Scott. <laughs> it's like having the same conversation for the 40th time, but we're just recording it this time. Um yeah, so the, like I said, the, the the high floor is because of the pass rush moves, you know, the swipe, the double swipe, the swipe clubs, the rip, the bowl, the spins, the chops, whatever. But um, because of those five traits, which you need to possess, which I talked about last last show with Josh Allen, um, being being power, being technique, being burst, being bend, and arm length are the five traits that are absolutely necessary for every single top foot edge rusher. If you look at every single edge rusher. Um, who's gotten, you know, 15 to 20 sacks in the last, you know, five, 10 years, whatever it may be, between Aaron Donald, you know, he plays into interior defensive line, between Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, um, et cetera, even a guy like Demarcus Lawrence who's coming up there, even a guy like D Ford um, coming up this year a little bit more. They all possess those five traits. And I think in two or three of those traits, Nick Bosa is, is lacking a little bit. He doesn't have bad arm length, but he doesn't have the best arm length. He has decent burst or good burst, but he doesn't have elite burst like a guy like like uh, Josh Allen or even a Ja'Kai Polite on film or a Brian Burns. And he has good, really good bend, but it's not elite bend. So I think those the, the lack of having you know elite traits um, in those three areas are going to hold him back to a guy who like we've talked about before, is going to, you know, get a lot of sack production versus the, the middle tier and lower tier offensive tackles in the league or maybe even offensive guards because he can play, you know, four tech and maybe he's shooting inside the B gap, but, but you know, whatever. Uh, but versus the top end guys, you know, the, the Tyron Smiths of, of the world, I don't see him producing because, listen, they're going to be able to, to um, counteract your power because they're powerful as well. And they have fantastic techniques. Your technique is not just going to wipe theirs off the board where you can just win with that technique. So that's why I see him as a player who has a really, really high floor, but also a, you know, people might you know scoff at, okay, well, he's getting 12 sacks a year. That's great. But then there's guys in this draft who I think could be higher than that if they do reach their ceiling, like a Josh Allen, maybe even a Brian Burns or a, um, Quinn and Williams. So that's where you kind of have to have to weigh it out and who you prefer. And that's why Quinn and Williams is number one for me. And there was even a time, Scott, where really, really early in my process for us just started to watch these guys. I was considering putting Josh Allen over Nick Bosa. Now, did it end like that? No, because I, I, I have to take account for that. 
um, ridiculously high floor that Bosa has. But uh, those are those are my that's my reasoning for his his lower ceiling. Um, and I think people, if you really look at the top end pass rushers in the league and then watch his film, I think you'd have a hard time arguing that. Joe, you just gave a generalized description of Nick Bosa's ceiling. For anybody that wants to see the video to get a clearer picture, you can go to Turn on the Jets TV where Joe's Nick Bosa film review is up. But I was curious if you had any specific examples of any times where his low ceiling came into play. In other words, you talked about him losing against better end tackles. Was there anything you saw on the tape, any specific instances that you remember where that happened? No, that's that's more about like projection because listen, guys, you play you know in the even in the SEC are not as good as you know technically refined and and powerful grown men you know who are twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight years old. You're playing in the NFL. It was more of the consistency basis where you know there would be one play where he looked really, really great with his burst or or his bend. Um, but then there's you know another five, six plays where you notice the burst like the first step. It's you watch people first up like like a Burns or a Polite, and I'm not obviously Polite has obviously you know shot down draft boards um, because of his comments about that. But put in their tape right next to Nick Bosa's tape. Watch that first step explosion, and then tell me you know who's more explosive. Now Nick Bosa is a little bit more technically refined in his in his first step because he has um, he doesn't have that recoil. At, the, at you know be, uh, preparing for that first step where he's already on his toes and his foot just shoots forward, a guy like Josh Allen, Brian Burns, even Jakai Polite have a little bit of recoil where they literally recoil and then shoot forward, so it lessens their burst a little bit. But just in terms of you know that the actual burst and the ability of that burst, it, it shows up on a on a on a you know game to game basis, snap to snap basis. And then with the bend, you can watch you know two or three of the sacks and say, oh, that looks like it's a great bend. But then watch his other five, six, seven sacks, and you can notice that he's not really at a at a great angle, and there's a lot of times where he's bending that edge and he slips, and he slips because he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that bend. He doesn't have um, necessarily the the ankle flexibility and the balance that those guys have around the edge. So you're going to see him typically if you do watch even just his highlights. You're going to notice him, and uh, people might watch his highlights like, "Oh, he fell. He got up. That's really great." But you don't want guys slipping. That's not a good thing for guys to slip, especially consistently slip, um, because you need better balance. You need better bend. Uh, now he's good at putting his hand in the dirt and, and, and recovering from that, but it's that's slowing down your rush. So it's not really a play-by-play thing where he played, you know, Jonah Williams. He got shut down by Jonah Williams. It was more of just a snap-to-snap thing looking at athletic traits. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. One thing that stands out to me about what you were saying, and you and I have talked about this privately, but when the Jets play tougher competition as far as offensive linemen go, whether it's somebody like Trent Williams on the Redskins, Lane Johnson on the Eagles, Tyron Smith on the Cowboys, by the way, not so coincidentally that I mentioned those guys because the Jets are playing all three of those teams this year, so if they had Bosa, he'd be going up against those guys. You mm-hmm. feel like he would lose those battles almost every time, right? Yeah, now is there going to be a player or two where he, you know, makes them overset or he beats them inside? Yeah, I'm not going to say no. He's, you know, he's never going to get a sack versus Jason Peters or, well, Jason Peters actually is actually he plays the mission a little bit, but like a Tyron Smith or you know whoever the top flight left tackles, Trent Williams or uh, you know whoever it is. 
Um, is he going to win? Sometimes, yeah, but consistently enough to think that he's going to be a top, you know, sack getter in the NFL? No, I just don't think so because of the lack of, of elite athletic traits. Like I talked about, I'm not going to go through them all before um, because you need all those things to, to beat tackles. Because listen, you know, as great of a tackle as Tyron Smith is, if a guy like Khalil Mack is going to rush him, and he's going to, you know, burst hard up that arc. And then and then Tyron Smith, regardless, he's going backwards and Khalil Mack is going forward, so it's harder for him. If he's gonna open up um, and get on his toes, you know, leaning over a little bit to, to try to counteract that that rush, uh, a guy like Khalil Mack is gonna flip his hips right into you, uh, get under your pads, get good extension, just drive you right into the quarterback. That's the good thing about having speed to power, and that's what's so necessary about speed to power. Now he does have the power, he's the most powerful, you know, edge player. Um, of these top guys with Brian Burns and, and Allen, etc. But when you're not able to make tackles open up to allow that power to be more successful, um, it's a little bit more difficult to to you know push that tackle into the uh, offensive line or into the quarterback's lap. So, like I said, there's there's definitely some some reasoning for it. Is he going to win one or twice? You know, once or twice? Uh, yeah, maybe. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bank on him getting you know piling up sacks versus those uh, those top flight guys. Like I said, it's gonna be more against guys like you know whoever the Giants are trotting out there, or you know a, a Kelvin Beachum type who, type who's not a great athlete. So he's gonna look better. He's gonna uh, Nick Bosa is gonna look better athletically versus uh, a Kelvin Beachum, where yeah maybe Kelvin Beachum has to open up and, and stay on his toes a little bit more than a Tyron Smith will. So then he'll be able to turn that speed into power. Um, but like I said, it's just going to be uh, the production is any more versus the guys who are lower tier type guys. We've seen what Nick's brother Joey can do when he's healthy, and he's had his injury issues as Nick has. He has roughly 28 sacks in 35 games. You expect similar production from Nick if he were in the pros, right? Even if a lot of that is coming against, like you said, the middle to lower end tackles. Yeah, yeah, Nick, uh, Joe, Joey Bosa is a guy who is, it's the same thing where he, he wins, you know, frequently against guys, um, who aren't top flight guys. And that's why you see his, his sacks at, you know, three years. I know he's hurt, you know, a lot this year, but even his first two years, he had 10 and a half and 12 and a half, which is great, but it's not Khalil Mack. It's, it's not Chandler Jones. It's not Von Miller like we were speaking about. And that's why I see Joey. You know, staying at is is those numbers right around ten to maybe thirteen, fourteen. Um, but that's pretty much it. So he's a he's a he's going to be drafted high because that's fantastic. When you know Jets fans and salivate over a guy who gets twelve sacks in a year for a couple of years in a row or right around there. Um, but you have to take like I said, you have to weigh the floor versus the ceiling type deal with him versus guys like Allen. And obviously, like I said, he's my number two, so I'm taking him over those guys. But I, I understand. You know, being a little bit more excited about it, Allen, if he reaches his ceiling because he possesses all those five, you know, athletic uh, traits. But yeah, Joey and Nick are, are very, very similar players in, in that aspect where it's it's technique and it's power, and that's how they're going to win. But they lack the other aspects. Where, like I said, it's not like I don't want people to think, oh, he has. He's saying he has bad burst, and they watch the film, and he, and he has the deep, like solid burst. There's a difference between solid burst, solid arm length. Um, and solid bend versus elite bend, elite arm length, and you know elite uh, burst. So there's a difference. It's not like it's bad, but it's not good enough to win versus elite tackles. At least, at least in my mind, and I don't think you really. It's how, how do you do, you can develop technique? You know, you can get a little bit stronger. Is there really a way to develop like like with your burst? Okay, you could develop the you know, or you could kind of edge the the recoil out of your burst. Um, with a guy like Allen, but he already he already has kind of refined that in his game, where he doesn't really have that recoil. 
um, in, in his first step and preparing for his first step. So I don't really see him getting better at that. But you can't really teach speed. And that's that's been, uh, you can't really teach speed in Ben. That's just kind of your body and your body mechanics and how, how gifted you are, um, you know, your family traits, whatever it may be. So um, he'll get better, but I just don't see him developing the necessary you know, athletic traits. So, and we've talked about it, Scott, and this is this is something, this is why his, his floor is so high. And we literally just talked about it before we started recording. I said the number one thing I look for in any player is, is technique and smarts over anything else because that, that's, that is what you need to be a good player. Now, you have to, you obviously have to compile that with, with freakish athleticism, power, you know, athleticism, et cetera, to be a top flight player. But I think without that, with that IQ and smarts, you're never going to be a very, very good player. And that's, you know, we'll get into to Ed Oliver. Um, at a later date, um, but Joey Bosa, I mean, yeah, uh, Nick Bosa, sorry, has that, you know, uh, ability. He's a really smart player, really technically refined, um, but like I said, the the lack of athleticism or the lack of elite athleticism is going to hurt him. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Tell me a little bit about the arm length and why that's a problem, especially when you get to the NFL level. Yeah, yeah that's listen, <laughs> the edge when you're when you're playing a tackle. The first guy to make contact can can usually win. You want to develop that long arm where you're going to be able to lean uh, one of your arms. You know, if you're rushing off the you're rushing the left tackle, your left arm you want to lean it into him, and you want to create that that contact point. You want to lean into that, um, and then and then bend that edge. Joey Bosa, I, yeah, uh, now I'm getting confused with all the names. Nick Bosa, <laughs> you should you should have even brought up Joey Bosa before Scott. Um, but Nick Bosa, he has good arm length, but it's just not it's not good enough to keep tackles off of his chest because obviously, you know, it's it's all hand fighting. That's that's what the edge is. That's even what the interior defense lines. It's all hand fighting, hand fighting, hand fighting. And listen, um, you know, it's not as dramatic as like, but think of fighters, okay? A guy with thirty three inch arms versus a guy with thirty you know inch arms. You're automatically like, okay, all that you know, the guy with thirty three inch arms obviously has has the advantage there. He has the reach on the guy. And it's the same thing with football. The guy who makes the first contact with the chest. Um, and get a contact point, um, you know, has that advantage. And he has, like I said, it's, it's definitely solid arm length, but it's not, it's not elite arm length. Um, so I think he's going to hurt sometimes letting guys into his chest. And that happens sometimes where I actually saw it on film where the, he did let guys get into his chest sometimes. And you let guys in the NFL in your chest, um, you're getting locked down where, you know, like I said, versus good tackles. Now, if you look at guys, you know, um, who are not top flight guys and don't have really good strength. If they get your arm to your chest, you could beat them just like what happened, you know, when he was playing guys when he's at, you know, Ohio state where, you know, guys would get their hands on, he would chop the elbow, he would rip through, he'd swipe through, um, whatever. But the arm length is definitely important because the first point of contact definitely, um, it, it wins a lot in, in the NFL, especially on the edge. Um, but it's really, it's really throughout the entire the rosters. You look at it, a uh, defensive line, uh, arm length matters cornerbacks arm length matters wide receivers arm length matters arm length is a very very big trait it's one of the first things i look for in edge rushers and you look at edge rushers throughout the you know the last couple of years the only guys and i could like i said there's probably guys who i'm missing who are really really good edge rushers who came out uh, who didn't have great arm length but i remember uh melvin ingram coming out wasn't too high on them and like i said I'm not, I, I was not watching film like i do now i watched you know like typically fans i watched a couple of youtube highlights and, I, and you know I, I made my decision about him but 
Uh, Melvin Ingram is an outlier. Uh, Terrell Suggs is an outlier. There might be a few more, but there's not a lot of elite guys with arm uh, with with lack of arm length or not elite arm length. Von Miller has it. Uh, Khalil Mack has it. And I know some of these probably Google all these numbers and stuff. And I'm, you know, I might be a little bit off, but uh, the arm length is definitely a, a big thing for me. I hate to bring up Joey Bosa again because after what you just said, now you're making me feel guilty. But one thing that Jim Coburn, who's our data guy, who you're going to hear from later this week, mentioned is that Joey Bosa was much more productive in college than Nick was. If you look at Nick's actual production numbers, they're not that great. But to you, the film was good enough to outweigh the lack of overall production. Definitely, yeah. In, in my opinion, uh, that's that's definitely true because. Listen, it's it's all situational and in, in, in what's happening in each play. And there's plenty of plays where Nick Bosa was, you know, a quarter of a second away, um, but the quarterback rolled out the opposite way, or he got rid of the ball really quickly. Uh, especially in college, there's a lot of spread, a lot of getting rid of the ball really, really quickly. So I, I saw him right there um, in the quarterback's lap right before he's about to throw the ball. Uh, but the, obviously the quarterback did end, end up getting rid of it. So uh, the film is... It, it tells a lot more than the stats. You, you know how I feel about that. So, This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You talked about his technique and what you like about it, but you also discussed his power. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean when it comes to power for an edge rusher? The power that, that Bosa has, you, you see him, and, and this is why he's like a really flexible guy, and this is another reason why he's rated as highly as he is, because he can play 4-3 end in, in an over and under look. He'd play you know, uh, three-man fronts and, and an odd front, which we like to refer to it as. Um, he can pretty much do anything. I, I don't want him inside two-gapping in a, in a three-man front, but as an outside linebacker, he can play, he can play Jack. Um, he could play the, the Sam role. Uh, same thing with the 4-3. The I think he could play the strong side defensive end. Um, he could play the weak side defensive end in that 4-3. I don't really want him standing up, but he has a lot of uh, capabilities because of his power. And it's just evident on film where there's times where you know, listen, his outside rush is, sh- is shut down a little bit. Um, the left tackle, the right tackle has has interior help from the guard. He turns his attention to the guard, crosses the, the face of that tackle, and then just bull rushes him right back into the quarterback. And, and that's really important to have that power. Obviously, you're going up against, you know, 300-pound dudes, so you need that power to be successful. Um, and he has that, both through his hands with, with getting, um, you know, arms off him, chopping elbows, swipes, clubs, all that stuff. He has that necessary power to be effective um in those hands but like i said also the ability to just get good leverage on a guy get good arm extension and just bull rush right right to the quarterback you know softening his angle um to him so that's something i saw consistently and it's obviously something that's that's important because listen you can have great technique all day and that's something that a guy like brian burns struggled with a little bit where he has he has some great technique but but there's times where he doesn't have the necessary hand strength and just overall power to beat blocks, whether it be the arms or even when you're rushing the edge. And rushing the edge, that 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 power through that that power through contact and bend is very very important. When you're, if you look at you know look at a whole bunch of highlights of anybody rushing the edge, and you're going to see him bending, and you usually see the tackle, you know, leaning over, uh, you know, leaning over on them, and trying to push them up the arc. That's a problem that Burns had, where some people lean on him, and he gets pushed up the arc and out of the play. You have to be able to bend and have power through that contact and that lean. Um, which Bosa definitely has. Uh, a guy like Josh Allen has it as well. So um, there's a couple that you know. There's a couple of the uh, those things I see, um, you know, in his game that that kind of relay how powerful he is. So 
One thing that hasn't been talked about enough, as far as I'm concerned, with Nick Bosa, and I understand that it's because he's an edge rusher and it's not the first thing you think of, is his ability to defend the run. And for a 21-year-old edge rusher, he seems pretty polished in that area. Yeah, in terms of in terms of the edge setting, that's that's, that's just smarts. He, he knows how to stack guys. He knows how to play with good leverage. He shoots his hands inside. Uh, he attacks offensive linemen or even uh, tight ends aggressively. He knows body positioning. He, he's not going to push too far to, you know, too far into the backfield, creating a bigger gap for the B or C gap, whatever it may be. Um, but he's also smart enough knowing when to rip, how to position his body, um, how to work in, in conjunction with the, with the guys around him, gap exchanges, twists, stunts, all this type of stuff. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, uh, try to get blocked or get blocked by a tackle and just try to win outside. And then, you know, boom, they cut up through the, uh, through the B gap because he committed so hard outside. He's a guy who's going to drop his hips. He's going to drop his weight. Like I said, get good extension, uh, read the running back rip off, um, and, and make that tackle. He's also smart, you know, just like a guy like Quentin Williams, um, where he sees pulling tackles, pulling guards. He knows when a sweep's coming. He knows when power's coming. He knows when G leads are coming. He knows when sweeps, jet sweeps, whatever it may be, um, are coming and you and you frequently see him position his body. Um, in a in a position to to make that player at least be in a position to make that play, and you can see it in read options. He's a guy who is athletic enough to you know if he's if he's unblocked, let's say on an inside zone read option, the quarterback's reading him, uh, which I wouldn't really recommend because he's a really smart player. He's going to press that mesh point. This is how a lot of the inside zone and stuff was was shut down, and it started going into like wham zone or wham read options things like that, like an interior defensive line. Um, but if you press that mesh point and you're athletic enough you put your body in a position where you could both attack, you can both chase down the running back from behind and you could, um, you know, tackle the, the quarterback if he does decide to keep it. So he's really good at pressing the mesh points. So uh, run game, he's definitely really solid. You don't really have to worry about anything there. Now, I don't think, like I said, I don't think versus, versus combo blocks, he's going to be extremely effective. I think he's powerful. But I don't think he's like, he's a guy who's what, 250, 260. So if there is like a tray block or, you know, a Tom block, a combo block from, you know, tight end and a, uh, offensive tackle, whether it be backside or front side, um, depending. That's that's what's kind of depending on the verbiage um, there. But um, is he powerful enough to anchor down versus that? No, not necessarily. Um, so he's not, you know, a, a freak in the run game. But I don't really think he's going to be combo block too much on the on the front side or the back side of plays. Um, but so so he's definitely a solid. He's not he's not elite in that way. But you definitely don't have to worry about it. Joe, one thing you touched on before is that Bosa seems to be adaptable to schemes. It's one thing I'm not worried about with Quinn and Williams. He can play in a 3-4 or 4-3. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more worried about it with Josh Allen because I think he's much more effective in 3-4 than a 4-3. But with Bosa, this could be an interesting thing if he were available for the Jets because we've talked about this. Greg Williams typically has run more 4-3 base. He's going to start off with a 3-4, but you and I have talked about this and you believe that eventually he's going to transition to to a 4-3. If he had somebody like Bosa, that's something that he could check off his list of things not to worry about because Bosa could be a 3-4 or a 4-3 star, right? Yeah, like I said, uh, now is he a guy like a, I don't know, like a Miles Garrett? He's a little bit more powerful, but athletic freak. He could do a little bit more um, and, and drop into coverage. I don't think he's as versatile as him, but like I said, he could play 3-4 outside linebacker, whether it be on the strong side or the weak side. Um, he could play DN in, the, in a 4-3 or any four-man front. It doesn't have to be a 4-3, be a 4-2. You, it, it could be a 4-1-6. There's a bunch of different looks in, in the NFL um, you know, nowadays. But 
yeah, he's he's versatile enough where he could he could do um, a lot of those things, which would be obviously intriguing for the Jets because people who just think the Jets are running a, a, a prototypical two gapping three four are wrong because he's going to be running uh, heavy attacking uh, three four with a lot of penetrating because his defense. Yeah, you know, listen, you can overcome four three versus four, uh, three four, but is he going to be able, is he going to be able to overcome philosophies where a lot of the times with the Browns and listen, yeah, there's going to be a player two where there are other guys two gapping, but he was heavy penetrator gap exchange stunt guy um so having nick Bosa, who's able to do that is is a really good thing for him and a guy who's also going to change up his fronts because you know yeah he's a three four guy and that's what's apparently happening um but if you don't think there's going to be a ton of four man fronts as well i think i think you're sadly mistaken so having a guy who's versatile who could play you know five tech with his hand in the dirt or play outside the tackle as well in a three four play at nine tech um whatever it may be is definitely uh, something that's really important for Greg Williams' defense. When I, wrote, when I wrote up that, and I talked about it with you, I believe on this show, uh, like I said, I forget because we do a lot of them, uh, having versatile guys on, on his defensive front is definitely a very important thing. So that's, that can make another thing uh, really intriguing about Bosa for the Jets. You were saying that because of Josh Allen's freak athleticism, if Greg Williams could coach him up and fix his technique and get him to the point where he could be the Miles Garrett of the Jets defense, so to speak, that he could deploy Allen a lot like Garrett was deployed with the Browns. But we know that Nick Bosa doesn't have that kind of athleticism that Garrett has and that mm-hmm. Allen has. And so even though he's more refined than Allen is, he's not going to be able to necessarily do all the things that Allen could if Allen hits his ceiling. So with that said... How do you see Greg Williams using Nick Bosa if he can't necessarily be his Miles Garrett? Yeah, they're a little bit different. Where like, like neither neither of Nick Bo- uh, Nick Bosa or Josh Allen are are Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett was a consensus like number one overall pick, like the best player, um, you know, in the draft, and the Browns are lucky to get him because he's just a freak. He's a guy that you look at his athleticism and all that stuff. You look at you know Khalil Mack with that extreme bend, power, uh, speed to power, you know. Etc. Um, so him, so Nick Bosa, I think in, in, in that four three look, you're going to be able to put his hand more in the dirt because even though he's not great versus you know combo blocks um, from tight ends and and uh, you know tackles, he can do it. Like I said, it's just not going to be a plus thing that he does. Where Josh Allen, you do not want him, you know, there really, you know, at all. So he's going to be able to play more inside in a four three than a guy like Josh Allen. But a Josh Allen is going to be able to also be more effective as a nine tech because nine tech. Obviously, you're very, very far from the quarterback at just, you know, just geometry and how far you are away. Um, so Josh Allen has that more that, that speed um, and that burst to be able to be more effective at that role. So they're kind of two guys with different different traits that kind of like almost add up to what Miles Garrett. Neither of them are that guy. But also then again, like with, with Allen, I think he has he, he has a capability if you look at his athleticism and, and his strength. And he, if he develops some more you know strength through his trunk and his lower body. Um, he, he could develop into a guy who could play uh, 4-3 end a, a little bit because him and Nick Bosa are, are similar uh, weights, so he just had to learn the technique. Uh, like I said, with Josh Allen, we did, a, we did a podcast for like 45 minutes about him. He's not as good as a, as a run defender, but if he can develop that, develop some power through his legs, I think that's something that he would be able to do. He's going to have to grow into it, which is something that he's been doing throughout his, his career at Kentucky, just continuously taking steps forward. And where a guy like Nick Bosa, because of his you know, not top flight athleticism, I think is limited in, in his role a little bit where he's not going to be a truly effective, you know, nine tech in, in the NFL because as a nine tech, you really need that speed. And 
uh, as we talked about before with Greg Williams, Greg Williams likes to deploy nine techs because, you know, he likes to take those tackles basically out of the box uh, and then run a bunch of, you know, twists and stunts and exchanges versus the uh, center and, and the guard kind of putting them on an island versus, you know, uh, heavy blitzers in the middle. So it's kind of, he just, he's just more limited where I think Josh Young can grow more into, into that role. Joe, I hate saying this because everybody knows you're not a doctor, but I'm going to preface it anyway. You're not a doctor, so you're not an expert on medical. But just from Mm -hmm. a cursory view, how nervous would you be about Nick Bosa's injury history, especially considering that his brother has gotten hurt quite a bit as well? Yeah, um, it's something if you listen to, like I said, I'm I'm not a doctor, but if you listen to anything, you research anything. Uh, the injury that he sustained in college is not something to just you know to just overlook. It's a it's a concern, and and uh, both you know Joey and Nick have had some injury concerns. That's something you you have to weigh in. You just you absolutely have to. If they've had big injuries, it's something that can knock them on your board a little bit. Now maybe is that going to knock him from two to three for me? No, not necessarily. But maybe taking him from a you know a ninety seven overall score. Uh, to a 96, yeah, that's, that's a possibility. And then you can start weighing, you know, uh, you know, with his with his uh, lower ceiling as a guy like Josh Allen, more uh, are more likely to take him, which I do not think is going to happen for people who are listening. Nick Bosa is going to be taken ten times out of ten over a guy like Josh Allen. But I'm saying that I don't think the difference is is too too huge, depending on if you're a risky GM or if you're a safe one who's going to take um, a Nick Bosa. But I do think all GMs would take. Uh, Bosa over Allen, but now when you start getting into Quentin Williams versus, versus Nick Bosa, that's why I'm I'm much more high on on Quentin Williams because Quentin Williams and, and even Josh Allen do not have those you know injury concerns that a guy uh, like Nick Bosa has. So it's it's something that you have to consider, especially now. Listen, if it's a, if it's an injury, you know, like a broken finger or you know whatever, broken ankle. If a doctor's telling me. Okay, it's not really to be uh, something to be concerned about, and you don't have to look into it too much. It's a, it's a freak thing, and it's not really going to hamper him going forward. Then don't worry about it. But when you hear a lot of people talking about his injury and saying that it's something to be concerned about, something that could flare up again, um, you know, in his career, it's something you have to be concerned about, and something that I, that I took into mind as well. Joe, scale of one to ten, if Nick Bosa slides to three, and regardless of who's on the board, the Jets end up picking him. How excited would you be about it? Um, I'll give it a nine, uh, because I think, like I said, he's going to be that, that 10 to 13 sack a year guy, but I, but Josh, I'm not Josh Allen, uh, Quentin Williams is number one on my board. So if Quentin Williams is there, um, I'm, I'm a 10 and if Quentin Williams is there and they draft Nick Bosa over him, I understand that, you know, they're much closer <clears throat> on their, on their scale where a guy like, you know, if you're talking about Quentin Williams versus Josh Allen, I think there's a big, a bigger gap than there is between a guy like, uh, Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa. But Quentin Williams, and we and we said it frequently, Scott. We were like, we started out saying, or I started out saying, you know, Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams are on a tier of their own, then Josh Allen, then everybody's on a tier below that um, for me. But now it's Quentin Williams on a tier of his own, then jo- then Nick Bosa on a tier of his own, then Josh Allen on a tier of his own, then everybody else. So it's kind of like I, I I just think for me, putting up the film, really watching, and being honest with myself, and not really caring what other people think and what other draft analysts are saying, et cetera, just watching the film and what I see, the traits I see. Uh, Quentin Williams is the best player. I want him. So if you if you skip on him for Nick Bosa, like I said, who has the lower um, type ceiling, I'm not saying low ceiling, like you know five stack, talking like lower ceiling than elite guys like a Quentin or even a Josh Allen, maybe even a Brian Burns. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. Like I said, I'm a nine because I, I know he's still going to be a really effective edge rusher for the Jets, but uh, just a nine because Quentin Williams would be the ten, and you know you're shipping over the ten for the nine. So 
Joe, we said that a guy like Quinnen Williams would have a floor that would be, say, perennial pro bowler and a ceiling that would be perennial all pro. We said that with Josh Allen, his floor would be something along the lines of an okay starter and his ceiling would be perennial all pro. With Nick Bosa, would you say that his ceiling and floor are basically a guy who's going to be in the pro bowl discussion almost every year if he's healthy? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's you know great. That's, I feel like it's a good way to to phrase that. Where his floor and his ceiling, there's not much of a gap to it. Like I, I really just do not see Nick Bosa being a guy who's getting less than you know. Let's say if he has one down year, he's had some injuries, whatever, and if he plays 16 games, he gets nine, ten sacks. That'd be a little bit surprising. Um, but that's like as low as as I see it. I just I, his technique and his power is way too good for him not to beat up on, especially as he develops in his game as well, develops more power, more you know whatever it may be. Um, getting older, going into an NFL, uh, you know, conditioning program, um, he's in develop as well. So I just don't see him being a bad player. Like I, I just think there's absolutely no way because of that technique, but because of the athleticism we talked about, I just don't see him being you know an all pro type player. But I think if you told me. I think like an accurate thing would be like, okay, you know, Nick Bosa makes five five Pro Bowls, uh, six Pro Bowls, but never makes an All Pro team. Like that's the player I think he is. Where you know, a Josh Allen's a guy who, and I know Pro Bowls and All Pro, All Pros, whatever. It's it's a bunch of, but you know, you get my point on how I'm trying to like weigh these players. Where Josh Allen's gonna be a guy who could potentially make no Pro Bowls, but he's also a guy who could be an All Pro two or three times if he reaches his ceiling, which should depend on coaching staff, team, etc. Um, and then a Quinn Williams is a guy who. <laughs> I I, th- I really do think he's going to be the second best interior defensive lineman in a couple of years. So I think he's a player, um, and all pro is a, is a is a really high ceiling. Um, but I think he's a guy for me who who I could I could bet on uh, pretty heavily to be an all pro type player. You know, uh, a couple times and be in the pro ball consistently as well. So. So Bosa's probably never going to be that top three elite all pro level, but barring injury, there's a very strong chance that every year he's going to be right there in that top 10 discussion. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of people look at stats and, and, and things like that. And, you know, for, to a certain extent, they are important. And when you're getting 10, 11, 12 sacks, you're, you're going to be um, in the pro bowl and, and thought of as one of the best players. But Nick Bosa is a guy who, you know, in that big game, in the, you know, whatever it may be, the, the Super Bowl versus the Cowboys when he's playing Tyron Smith, is he going to get struck down and not make an impact in, in that big game because he's playing more top end talent? That's something that I, that I worry about him. Where, yeah, okay, you know, uh, a week seven game against the Dolphins, well, maybe not the Dolphins, actually, Tunsil's pretty good. Uh, a week eight game against the Bills, is he going to beat up on whoever's out there for the Bills? Um, yeah, maybe, but in the big spots, I, I'm, I'm concerned about him not, not showing up against those top-end guys, so that's something that you have to think about as well. Sounds exactly like the type of player that Mike McCagney drools over, somebody with minimal risk that has the potential to be a top-ten player for a really long time. That's the way that Mike McCagney generally likes to play it, so I would be surprised if Nick Bosa is not a Jet, if he's on the board at number three, whether or not that actually happens remains to be seen. Remember, we didn't expect Jamal Adams to be there when the Jets picked. We didn't expect Leonard Williams to be there when the Jets picked, and we certainly didn't expect Sam Darnold to be there when the Jets picked. So 
it's certainly possible that Nick Bosa ends up being the number three overall pick for the New York Jets in a couple of weeks. Joe, thank you so much for coming on and dissecting Nick Bosa with me. I know that you were a little depressed doing this show because you said there was no point because there's pretty much no way that Nick Bosa would be picked number three. But like I said, we got to do these shows because you just never know. I said that last year about Sam Darnold. I almost didn't do one of those quarterback shows, but thankfully I did, and he fell to the Jets at three. So absolutely within the realm of possibility that this show not only gets listened to before the draft, but that we get plenty of downloads for it after the draft if Nick Bosa slides to number three. Joe, for anybody that wants to see all the video of your breakdown of Nick Bosa, they can do it on our YouTube channel. They can see it on your Twitter. For those that are unfamiliar with those, why don't you go ahead and let people know. Yeah, like you said, there, there's always a possibility. Um, if Murray goes first, and then maybe the Niners, because they just got D Ford, you know, they don't want the, they don't want another edge rusher, then they want Quinn Williams. It could always happen. Um, I wouldn't bet on that happening. I think they're just gonna go Nick Bosa. But you know, if, if I'm sitting there at three and Quinn Williams or Josh Allen on the board, uh, I'm obviously, you know, I'm, I'm happier with one, but I'm not gonna be upset with Josh Allen. So it's exciting to see what's gonna happen. We got a what exactly two, two, two weeks, uh, five hours and thirty minutes from this exact time. <laughs> so it's gonna be an exciting time to watch it. Yeah, the um the, the draft shows and you know you hear me talk about this stuff a lot which is great if you trust me that's also you know that's 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 good um but if you want to see it for your own eyes and you don't know oh what are you talking about his bursters bend uh i have videos i can i can show you those guys side by side if you watch all of them you'll you'll notice it with your own eye um so follow me on youtube uh, where i do break that down that film i just said nick Bosa like two days ago 22 plays with him i just said Quentin williams like 30 plays josh Allen like 30 plays whatever it may be um you go on youtube you seven turn on the jets right there on the, the podcast app, if you just want to listen there, you don't have time for the film. That's fine too, because I go you know more in depth than you go on, on this podcast. It's just T O J space film space room, and then uh, Twitter is Joe R B thirty one with no spaces, and that's where I post all of the reviews with the video clips and put descriptions or the best description I can in two hundred forty characters, which most time is not enough. Um, but those are the places you can get me at. Go ahead and check out Joe. Turn on the Jets TV on YouTube at JoeRB31 on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.